you going? Just going to record a podcast. Podcast, eh? You look like one of them dirty, cowardly podcasting types. What do you mean by that? Well, everybody knows around these parts that podcasters ain't nothing but dirty pig farmers and reps. Uh, I mean, I, I do, I kind of take exception to that. I don't know what that word means. Oh, you got a, you got an awful big mouth on you for a guy who doesn't know what a podcast is. Are you reaching for your microphone? Are you reaching for yours? Why do you have one? I'm stroking it. I think maybe we should have a podcast showdown. Well, I'm game if you are. Hey, Steve, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just just talking to this He's guy. talking with me. You're not having a podcast showdown, are you? We were thinking about it. We were just going to go into the store and pick up some sorghum and get some whiskey, some gingham, maybe a soda pop, some, some sucking candy. He, he said that podcasters were nothing but pig farmers and rebs. He's, he's baiting you. What? He's baiting you. Are you baiting me? Maybe a little. Oh, God. Look, stranger, Steve and I will do our podcast right here in the middle of this muddy street, and then you can decide for yourself if we're dirty, low-down, ball-sucking podcasters, okay? Fair enough. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, the movie that we're going to take a look at is pretty much universally loved, right, Steve? Yeah, it's one of the movies that is considered, what what's it called, a landmark of its genre? Yeah, it's yeah. considered like one of them things that everybody loved when it came out. And then and then people reference it, and then no one watches it anymore. Like, I didn't. I'd never seen this movie until now for this show. Well, you saw Logan, didn't you? Well, yeah. What, what's that got to do well, with it? It's pretty much the same movie. I mean... Oh, I hate this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> or I hate Logan. Wait, which one do I hate more? Wait, I don't remember Alan Ladd, like, sticking knives through people's brain pants. That, oh, I... you must have not been paying attention. <laughs> What movie are we reviewing, Steve? We are reviewing that classic Western, Shane. Shane! Come back, Shane! <laughs> I find you irritating, young man. If you leave, the only people I have to play with is Arliss in the next county, and he's gonna kill me! Devotees <laughs> uh, of the podcast, go back a year and yes. listen to our review of Yold Letter, Yold Yeller for that joke. Oh, boy. Little That's Joey right. and Arliss, they'd be best friends. The classic Western Shane. The one that I didn't realize until this very moment when I watched it, how fucking influential this film is. Oh, massively. One of the most influential Westerns ever. Yep. So, Steve, do you have any trivia that you would like to share with us about this classic Western Shane? Well, there's one little bit. And again, like with a lot of my trivia bits, it's maybe the most well-known piece of trivia about this movie that doesn't That'd have That'd be a to... great breakfast cereal, Steve Shive's trivia bits. Yeah. <laughs> it's this tastes but... pretentious! No. <laughs> no nutritional value. Um, Alan Ladd. <laughs> Alan Ladd was only five foot six. 
and uh, some of his co-stars, including Van Heflin, uh, were significantly taller than he was. So in order mm-hmm. to give the uh, impression that he was not a, a much shorter man than most of he his co-stars. He just acted tall? He just acted tall, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they shot the scene so that, you know, he he appeared to be tall. And when he would have scenes with Van Heflin, he would, either Heflin would, you know, be lower or or, 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 or Alan would be standing on something and you would see that they would be about the same height. He's on the ground and uh, yeah. Lad is being suspended by a cable. Yeah. And, there, and, and Ben Heflin is still a little taller, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> the only way you can actually tell uh, in the movie, the, the mm-hmm. only clue that is actually on screen is if you watch the shots where Alan Ladd is standing next to Gene Arthur, and then yeah. you watch the shots where Van Heflin is standing next to Gene Arthur, you, you'll notice that Alan Ladd is uh, somewhat taller than Gene Arthur. Van Heflin is much, much taller than Gene Arthur. And yet when Alan Ladd... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's one of the ugliest of all prejudices, and I just can't let it go. <laughs> and 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 yet when Alan Ladd and Van Heflin stand next to each other on screen, they're about the same height. So something doesn't quite work, but yeah. The ugliest of all prejudices. <laughs> what about the tall people? What about the short people? Well, I got nothing, so yeah. let me talk about who made it. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, it was directed by George Stevens. George Stevens also directed Giant and uh, Diary of Anne Frank, and uh, he was one of those directors that constantly got work from, like, the 1930s yeah. on. He was always working, right? But this is the one that, like, people went, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he's pretty good. It was also produced by George Stevens, because that's where he was in his career, because after 30 years of making movies in Hollywood, I guess he could decide what it was that he wanted to produce. <laughs> <clears throat> Screenplay by A.B. Guthrie Jr., who uh, wrote the novel, the Way the West Was Won, and Jack Shear, who I did no research for. It's based on <laughs> Shane, the 1949 novel by Jack Schaefer. And it stars Alan Ladd as Shane. Hey, did you know what about Alan Ladd? What about Alan Ladd? He hated guns. Good movie. And the scene where he shoots a rock, it took him 117 takes. Yeah. Well, you know, if you if you hate guns, I mean, he was holding it just with his thumb and index finger the whole time. So. <laughs> He's like, bullet come out. <laughs> Gene Arthur is Marion Starrett. Now, this was... Uh, Gene hadn't made a move, a few movies in a while. She was 50 years old. Congratulations. Thank you, Hollywood, for t- bothering to cast a woman who was in her 50s yeah. to be in a movie. And then she didn't make another one ever again. <laughs> she apparently suffered from horrific stage fright. Mm. So... Van Heflin as Joe Starrett. Brandon DeWild as Joey Starrett. Now, here's a little trivia about Joey. Mm. In the final scene, the emotional scene, where... Shane is saying, well, I gotta go. No! You got, I gotta go. Killing's bad. I'm bad. I gotta go. No! That scene, <laughs> apparently everyone was very emotional on set. They thought it was a very emotionally impactful scene, except for Joey Starrett, who, when it was being shot over his shoulder, would cross his eyes and stick his tongue out at Alan Ladd as they were trying to do this scene, until Alan Ladd walked up to Joey Starrett's father, uh, sorry, to Brandon DeWild's father, and said, if your son doesn't stop making faces at me, I'm going to cave his head in with a brick. <laughs> Problem solved. Mm-hmm. Jack Palance, who was credited as Walter Jack Palance for whatever reason, as Jack Wilson. And here's some trivia about him in this movie. Ready? Ready. He was afraid of horses. <laughs> <laughs> so your your lead doesn't like guns. Your heavy doesn't like horses. <laughs> Let's make a western. He was so awkward on a horse 
that when we're first introduced to him, he's leading the horse in. He's not riding it. And yeah. they said, oh, okay, well, he looks more intimidating doing that. That's cool. Um, he mounted a horse perfectly once, and they used it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Reversing it so he can get on and off. Um Ben Johnson is Chris Calloway. Edgar Buchanan is Fred Lewis, who you will know, or maybe not, as Uncle Joe in Petticoat Junction. Petticoat em- Junction. <laughs> Emil Mayer as Rufus Riker, who, uh, another notable film that he was in was Paths of Glory. Mm-hmm. He's a really good actor, actually. Um, Elijah Cook Jr. as Frank Stonewall Tory, and you'll know him from... Everything. Yes. <laughs> like, literally everything. The Maltese Falcon. I mean, this is one of those glue people. This is one of those people that worked in fucking everything. And had a career as never being the lead, but always being that supporting character. He was yeah. in Star Trek. He was in everything. He's, he's probably doing stuff now, and we don't even know. He never died. <sighs> um, people are going to be, he never died. No, he died. He's dead. Don't worry. He, don't look it up. Live to a ripe old age. Um, who do I leave with? Oh, uh, Douglas Spencer as Axel Swede Shipstead. John Dierks as Morgan Riker. Ellen Corby as Mrs. Liz Torrey. Paul McVeigh as Sam Grafton. John Miller as Will Atkey, the bartender. Edith Evanson as Mrs. Shipstead. Leonard Strong as Ernie Wright. And Nancy Culp as Mrs. Howells. Music by Victor Young. Cinematography by Loyal Griggs. Hi, Loyal. Good to see you again. (laughs) It's been a while. Edited by William Hornbeck and Tom McAdoo. Distributed by Paramount Pictures. Release date April 23rd, 1953. Running time 118 midgets. Oh, that's a bad word just to get wrong, Steve. (laughs) I'm not the only one who's harboring some prejudice, it seems. (laughs) I didn't. Oh, boy, what is it with height in this show? I don't understand. (laughs) I blame Alan Ladd. Minutes. I meant to say minutes. 118 minutes. You can't measure time with the other one that I said. <laughs> it's a very inefficient system. It's a slip of the tongue. The hatch just blew! <laughs> Why won't anyone believe me? <laughs> Budget, 3.1 million. Box office, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. $20 million. So good, they made a sequel. Oh, no, they didn't. Never mind. Because depending on how you view the ending of this movie, they couldn't have another one. No, yeah. Right, Steve? That's true. It's open to interpretation, but... (laughs) Okay, Steve. Let's strap on our six-shooter. Let's uh, put on our buckskin. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh... Let's... I don't know. What else do do we do for the West, Steve? Uh, Chaw? Whiskey? I guess. Sucking candy? Sodi pop? We got it. Well, and we we put on our hats, our rugged rugged cowboy hats. hats, yeah. And let's ride into a movie, that, another movie that is loosely based on <laughs> the Johnson County War. Boy, we keep coming up with that. That's weird. Well, it's just proof positive that once once white people run out of Indians to kill, they start killing each other. <laughs> we gotta kill somebody. And let's ride into Wyoming for the epic, sprawling, and let's let's just face it, fucking beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> countryside to experience the story of one man trying desperately to run away from his demons <laughs> of a murderous bandit wait is this unforgiven no it's not it kind of <laughs> kind of is <laughs> it's also kind of pale writer too it's kind yeah yeah 
Or shall we say Unforgiven and Pale Rider are kind of like Shane. Yeah, exactly. Copycats. Now let's take, go into the world of Shane. Steve, mm-hmm. take it away. Well, um, we start with a little boy playing with a gun. Oh, goody, another boy. ugly western boy. Oh, boy, yeah. Another cross-eyed dingbat. <laughs> <laughs> The West was full of them. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's out. He's outside, and he's got his little rifle, and he spies this just preposterously huge, beautiful deer, this elk, yes. whatever. It's just massive. And of course, his first thought is, "God, I'd love to kill it." Um, yeah, and but then, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He just kind of stares at it, cross-eyed. Yeah, <laughs> that's his go-to move for most of the movie. To just, and he's like, I better go run back to the house and tell Paul. I need bullets for my gun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I now want, a 90-year-old man. <laughs> I want to kill that gorgeous animal. Um, but no, what happens is, is something else uh, attracts his attention. He sees someone riding up to their house from off in the distance. a Hollywood actor playing a cowboy? Yeah. A, oh, okay. a, a clean-cut, uh, handsome man who is also mm-hmm. a cowboy. That's right. <laughs> and he rides up. Yeah. And who does he meet, Steve? He meets uh, our hero, one Shane, who is dressed from head to toe in buckskin. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he rides up, uh, crosses the little stream there at the at their on their property, and uh, yeah. walk. And uh, the the little boy's father is there too, outside hacking away at uh, a stump yeah. with an axe. And that's his hobby. He just—that's just what he does when he's when he's bored or when him and the wife when are having. I want to kill the wife and child. This stump takes the punishment. Give me that axe. <laughs> um, and he so Shane and and Joe the father have a, a brief sort of exchange where he's just like, hey, I hope you don't mind me cutting through your land. And Joe's like, whatever. We and, have bigger fish to fry. People are trying to kill us and yeah, stuff. It's all yeah. right. Joe offers him some water. He takes some water. And then as Shane is about to leave, this group of people come walking, come come riding up from, from you know, behind first him. First we discover something else, though. <clears throat> oh? Shane has a little PTSD. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> because Shane gets off his horse and uh, little Joey... Uh, cocks the rifle, works the yep. action on the rifle, and Shane uh, looks like he's about to draw on him. Yeah, on the little kid. <laughs> he, he just spins around, puts his gun, his hand goes right like, to no, his no. hip. Not, not like Oklahoma City again. Yeah. Not like Oklahoma. <laughs> Shane is haunted. Yeah, in that way that cowboys can be. Yeah, that happens well, a lot. Well, not, not until now. and After now, they're haunted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of new at this point, and now it's, it's sort of standard. This was kind of a new thing for cowboys to have in their past. Yeah. <laughs> Regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I maybe shouldn't have killed all those people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel about that. <laughs> I'm having feelings. Yeah, um, and yeah. Uh, he goes well, and this sh- sets Joe on edge, and he's like, "Maybe you should get out of here. You're with the Riker boys. You're a gunslinger. You're bad. I hate you." And he's like, "Okay, fine." And he's leaving, but then the Riker boys show up. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. the Rikers are are not Joe's friends. They want Joe to leave. That's right. Roof Riker, who's like the leader, he's like this this local farmer, this local rancher, and and Joe is a homesteader. And yeah. and Roof Riker doesn't like these homesteaders coming into what he considers his land, and he's That's like, right. "I want you out of here, Joe." And Joe's like, "Nope, I don't want to go." Shane walks up and he just kind of leans back and puts his hand on his gun, and they're like, "Who are you, stranger?" And he's like, "I'm Joe's friend." And they're like, "Oh, well, let's run away then." <laughs> 
Yeah, and so then Joe goes up to Shane, and he's like, look, that, you know, I was just, uh, I'm sorry about the whole get off my <laughs> ranch thing. Like, you seem like you're nice. Yeah, you want to have dinner or something? And yeah, Shane's yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. We find, yeah, and then we also find out that um, uh, Joe is a responsible father when it comes to his child and a gun, because while the kid has a gun, there's no bullets in it. And That's he won't right. give him any. Yeah, he's because he, imagine this: he's too young yeah. to carry a loaded gun around. <laughs> so many people would be dead now, Dad. We'd have so many viewless problems. <laughs> I know, son. And he ruffles his hair. Go inside. With I have mother. it all planned out. I'll go into town. I'll go into the bar. They'll laugh at me because I'm being a little kid. I'll get in real close. And I'll cut the first one with a Bowie knife. Then I'll shoot the other two. Problem solved. <laughs> oh, these kids and their ideas, eh, Shane? Get in and help your mother wash up for dinner. So they have dinner. And Joey is apparently in love with Shane. Oh, instantly. Or obsessed with him. He idolizes him. <clears throat> and uh, turns out that uh, Joe needs an uh, extra hand on the on the ranch, right? Yeah, and, and uh, Shane says, okay, I guess. Well, no, when well, he leaves... Then he goes outside and he starts chopping on. Yeah, <laughs> he starts chop, chopping on Joe's stump, <laughs> like you do, with his shirt off. He's you know just chop, chopping at his stump. Yeah, he figured what the, I mean. He might as well do something while I'm here. Joe likes that. Joe likes it when uh, when he's chop, chomping on. His stump. That's it. <laughs> he doesn't not like it. And they gotta pull the stump. They gotta pull it. They gotta he, pull Joe's stump. Uh, and that's what happens. They, there's we that's have this, right. we have this nice montage. Well, his wife and child watch. <laughs> they, we, yeah, we have this nice montage of, of Shane and Joe just working themselves into a good sweat, yeah, trying to pull stump. Joe's stump. Yeah, yeah, trying to pull Joe's stump. And they watch. They think it's great. And uh, um, then uh, the next morning, Joey's old nemesis, the deer, is returned. Yeah. And he runs outside and he chases it away. Yeah, and the, the deer is is really cool with this whole thing. He's like he's just nibbling <laughs> at the garden and he's, he's oh hey Joey he's checking out the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Joey sees that Shane has spent the night. That Shane is you know he's asleep yeah. outside and he's like hey good morning Joey. And Joey's and like, like hey are you gonna be my new dad? You make me feel funny in the pants, <laughs> you, Shane. I love you, Shane. Be my dad. I mean, bye. <laughs> Yeah. And then they go to town. Yeah, well, yeah, because I guess Shane is, it's been decided that Shane is going to stay on and help and help yeah. Joe with things. So so Joe sends, he says, uh, hitch up the team and go into town, get yourself some clothes and pick me up some wire that I have waiting for me at the store and yep. get Joey a soda pop so he'll shut yeah, up. Yeah, Joe, Joe, uh, Joey asked for a soda pop. Uh. Which, you know, innocuous request that turns into a fist. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Later on. Welcome to the Old West. Uh-huh. So he goes to town. You know, before he leaves, Joey has about a million questions about Shane. Like a million gajillion <laughs> questions. And we find we meet Ernie. And Ernie's leaving because of them dang Riker boys. Yeah, he's pulling up stakes. He's like, I'm sick of messing with these Rikers. I'm out of here. They, they, they kill dis- me and kill you and kill everybody. Yeah, we should all leave. And Joe's like, instead of leaving, why don't we have a meeting and we'll just, we'll all band together and we'll, we'll resist Riker. And Ernie's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Sure, that'll work. 
Shane does a little shopping. He picks up some wire, orders the soda pop, and uses every ounce of self-control from killing every person in the bar. <laughs> yeah, because Shane is is pegged as a farmer, a sodbuster, yeah. as they call him, and they don't because like... they saw him. It's that yeah, they yeah. saw him at Joe's farm. Yeah, and they don't like the homesteader. These are like Rikers people, and they don't like the homesteader, so they call him a sodbuster. And there's the... one guy named Chris. Yeah takes it upon himself to really give him a hard time throw some whiskey on him you know and shane just keeps it all together oh boy does he yeah <laughs> he's like thanks for the soda pop and he leaves you know yeah mm-hmm. they start calling him soda pop yeah Ooh, that's and, low uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the meeting and uh, everyone's there the swede who's swedish and a few other people yeah and they're all you know they're all settlers the homesteaders and the last homesteader to show up is who, Steve? Uh, that's uh, Stonewall. Stonewall Tory. Stonewall Tory. Why yeah. do they call him Stonewall? Because he's a reb. And they make fun of him for it all the time, they don't they? They sure do. <laughs> and he's not in, too cool with the, it. Yeah. They play Dixie on the on the harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's one of the only ones. He, he and Joe are sort of the only people who seem determined to stay. The other homesteaders are like, look, we're tired of being harassed. We're tired of having our crops dug up and being threatened. Yeah. We're, we just want to leave. And Joe's like, no, you have to stay. And they're like, fine. So they come up with this idea that they're going to all get together and they're going to go into town in a big group at the same time to get their supplies mm-hmm. to show that, mm-hmm. you know, they're not afraid. That's right. They make a day of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go court disaster. It'll be a good activity. Yeah, so they all go in together. They all go into town. People are looking through stuff. And uh, Joey's going to return his soda pop bottle. Because you did that back in the day. You just didn't throw bottles away. That would be ridiculous. You returned them. Yeah. And if you return them, you get a sucking candy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's an even exchange. A big old peppermint stick. He's about to, Joey's about to go walk into the bar to return it, and Shane's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. <laughs> I got <do> you, kid. <laughs> I'll do it. It's all right. It's okay. You stay here. And what happens, Steve? Oh, uh, Shane gets in a fight. Well, okay. Sort of. Well, Cal- Callaway is there, Chris, the guy who threw the, Chris, the drink yeah. on him. And Shane says, hey, buddy. I remember you from the other day. You know, I'm gonna. You bought me a drink last time. I'm gonna buy you a drink, and he he I'm orders buy you two drinks. Yeah, he orders two whiskeys, and and Chris says, "You know, you're not drinking those in here." And Shane's like, mm-hmm. "Yep," and he throws the drinks on him. Yep, and then they get in a fist. Then fight, they have a and, fight, and uh, Shane beats the shit out of him. Yes. <laughs> He punches him so hard, he punches him through the bar into the store. Yes. In the meantime, Joey's absorbing every second of the violence while he's eating his candy. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> yep. <coughs> and eventually and Joe gets in. Joe, Joe sees that Shane is well, being outnumbered. Well, what happens is the rest of the Riker boys decide, hey, let's all just kill him. Let's all beat him up at the same time. And he holds his own for a few minutes, but then they get him and they're beating him. <coughs> Pardon me. And Joe grabs an axe handle. Yeah. And he starts axe handling his way through him as well. <laughs> That's my Joe. And my favorite part of this whole scene. <laughs> That's my Joe. <laughs> my favorite part of this whole scene is the owner of the store and the bar standing on the stairs every once in a while interjecting with, hey, stop. Like the most ineffectual guy in the entire world. Don't, Someone's going to have to pay it. for this. Don't do not do. Come on, guys. Stop Knock it. Knock it off, please. Hey. 
Can't we be civilized? Meanwhile, Joe and Shane are back-to-back punching and kicking and fighting, and actually it looks like they're kind of having a good time. Yeah, they're kind of having a good time, and they're winning. Yeah. And then finally the uh, dude says, you guys won. Get out. It's okay. You can leave. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. We fucking won. Yeah, there's more where that came from. <laughs> Joe says, I'm going to pay for it, not the Rikers. Yeah. And then uh, that scene is over. <laughs> We cut to a scene with the Rikers, and they're like, nope, this is going to end in gun smoke. We're going to kill them. <laughs> We're killing them all. Fuck it. I'm fucking done. <laughs> well, because they, I, I think it, it might be mentioned at this point, it's mentioned a few times in the movie, or that uh, they're far away from any law enforcement. There's oh, no, yeah. There's no marshal in this town. They, I think at one point somebody three says whole it's... Three whole hours. Yeah, it's it's a long way away, so they, they're, yeah, they're careful. Yeah, three whole not, hours away. Yeah. <laughs> They're careful not to do anything. Like, they don't just shoot a at the A ride out and ride back would be half a day. If you left at five, you'd be back by 11 with law. But, you know, Still three a, hours. It's a long way. It's a long way. Yeah. Anything could happen in the six you hours. You don't know. God. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't bother to go get law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, then we come back and more of Joey Loves Shane. And then, oh boy, Steve, evil's come to town. <laughs> oh, yeah. A gunslinger enters. Who's that, Steve? This would be Jack Wilson, played by Walter Jack Palance. That's right. Yeah. He comes into town, and he's like, I'll kill anyone, anywhere, anytime. Actually, he's cooler than that. He walks into the, walks into the store, and he's like... There's no coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the most chilling uh, uh, query as to the status of coffee in the history of <laughs> cinema. <laughs> Cut back. Turns out Ernie's leaving. Yeah. His sow's been killed. Yep. Oh, and they run a bunch of cattle through his fields. Yeah, just just, <laughs> just to really rub it in. Yeah, just like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, fuck you, Ernie. Yeah. <coughs> Stonewall sees all of this. And that gets him angry. Oh boy, yeah, he don't like he don't like seeing his <laughs> these people picked on like that. Cut over to Joe and uh, and uh, Shane. I forgot his name. <laughs> Joe and Shane, and uh, he's fixing the fences. And the guys are across the river making fun of him still about being pig farmers and stinking and all this other stuff. Yeah, and it turns out they're taking down people's fences left and right, just cutting them down. Yep. And, and Shane still tries to downplay the whole thing to Joey because Joey's like, "What would you do if you caught him cutting down our fence, Shane?" And would Shane, you gut him? Yeah. Would you gut him and make him see their guts before they died, Shane? Would you, no, no, would you carve open no. their bellies with a rock? Would you find their mothers back on the East Coast and give her a present of their son's <laughs> eyes and entrails? Oh no, Joey, I reckon not. Would you shoot them in such a way that they couldn't have an open casket funeral? <laughs> mm, I don't guess I would. Can you set them on fire and let them dance and not shoot them? Well, no, Joey, I don't think I'd do that. I think I would just uh, ask if they'd mind going around to the gate. Kind of make them a handshake a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just want to fix the fence, okay? I'm starting to think that the Old West is bad for little children. Have you met these two kids in the next county over? One of them is into blood sacrifices, and the other one just randomly kills animals wherever he goes. <laughs> I think maybe the city's the best place for you kids. 
<clears throat> so uh, now he decides, here's a good idea. I'm going to teach Joey how to shoot. Yeah, well, because Joey has been curious about Shane's six-shooter since Shane got there. and Well, that's because this movie understands what a handgun is for. Yeah. <laughs> because a six-shooter <laughs> is made to kill people. Yeah. It's, it, it <laughs> that's ain't, what a handgun is for. It ain't for hunting. <laughs> it ain't for varmints and the like. No, no. It's... It's literally to kill other people. Yeah. And everyone who carries one knows it. Right. Because they carry a rifle for the other stuff. Yep, yep. And and uh, so Joey says, will you teach me to shoot, Shane? Actually, he, he says, you promised to teach me to shoot, which Shane did not promise to do. But he's like, okay, whatever, sure. I saw it in my head. <laughs> you and me were riding on a unicorn, and you said, I'll teach you to shoot, and your big masculine hands held me tight, Shane. All right, and Joey. And you said, I'm your father, and then you kicked my dad down a well, and you spit on him. <laughs> well, if it'll keep you from telling me those stories, I'll teach Don't you how to shoot. My- <laughs> Don't betray my dreams. <laughs> You're making me a little afraid now, Joey. Uh, That's right. So he goes out there. He shows him how to wear it. Yeah, he shows his place to. Yeah, yeah, shows him how to draw. Shows him where to wear it on his hip and all that stuff. Yeah, and where other people wear it. Yeah, and then uh, he shoots a rock. Oh boy, he shoots the hell out of a rock. And then uh, Joey's mom comes up, and Shane and uh, her have the first gun control argument ever in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where she's like, you know what? I'm thinking I don't like guns at all. I wish they just weren't here. (laughs) I don't want a single gun in the whole county. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, it's just a tool. And if a bad person uses it, it could be bad. And a good person uses it, it could be good. Yeah, you know, Marion, the only solution to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And she's like, I don't see it that way. I think that if we banned them all, it would be perfectly fine. And he said, fuck you. (laughs) You're not taking my gun. And he reached for his gun. (laughs) And we're in a different movie now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... Then we find out that they're celebrating the 4th of July, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tori finds, well, er, Ernie has complained about, you know, what's going on with him to Tori. And Tori, mm-hmm. Tori goes into town and yep. and gets liquored up and kind of talks yep. some shit to the Riker boys. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And they're like, he'd be easy to push. He's a reb. He's, he ain't smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like perfect. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> um, and everyone's racing horses and shooting stuff, and then we go to one of the few scenes that are actually on a soundstage. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the interiors are on a soundstage. We know that, but this is one of the first exterior soundstage shots. Most of the other stuff has been shot like in Wyoming. Yeah, right. And so we go to this party, and oh, it's it's Joe and Mrs. Joe's anniversary. Yeah, they got married on the 4th of July. To make it special, and so Joe can remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remember what tomorrow is, don't you, Joe? Of course, Independence that's right, that's, Day. He actually lied. He said, yeah, I've arranged it so that there are fireworks every time we celebrate our marriage, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that night they return home and who's there? 
Um, it's uh, it's Riker. The Rikers, yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh shit! And it turns out the Rikers are there to offer him a job. Yeah. And then actually present a reason for why he's acting this way. <laughs> yeah. And from his point of view, kind of a reasonable one, because he's like, we were the first people here. We're the ones who genocided well, all the Indians. That's right. <laughs> you think genocide is easy? I took an arrow in, in my side. Yeah, and we, you know, we we farmed the land and made it farmable, and like. It's, it's ours. You assholes have no right to come in here and put up yes, fences and put up houses. the government says you can, goddammit. Yeah, you jerks. What are you doing here, There's you jerks? There's plenty of other lands elsewhere that need genocide. Yeah, they still got Indians further west of here. Go kill those Indians. <laughs> oh, God. And Joe's like, I don't want to kill any Indians. I just want to grow crops and shit. And, yeah. <laughs> you know... <laughs> During this entire exchange, Shane is sizing up Wilson. Oh, yeah. They they take turns dipping water and yeah. just kind of eyeing each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we cut to Stonewall coming back into town. Oh, boy. Stonewall's last charge. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, Wilson's kind of like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I don't <laughs> respect you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Wilson's or, or Stonewall's like, hey, you can't say those things that are true about who I am and the part of the country that I'm from. And and it turns out he's just as easy to bait as the Rikers thought he was. And Well, he half pulls his gun. Yeah, he pulls his gun. Swede says stop. Right. And while his gun is pointed at the ground, and as he's having a moment of clarity, and he's realizing that his entire life has been not much more than rebelling at authority figures and blaming them for suffering, that they accept they themselves weren't in it, he's like, oh my god, I fought on the side that that, that, that wanted slavery. That wasn't what I wanted. I, I wanted to have freedom, but someone sold me that. I'm having a sudden realization that I fought on the wrong side of the Civil War. That's when Wilson shoots him. <laughs> Bang. Now, I want to interject something here early. This killing of of, uh, of Tori yeah. um, is a landmark in film. And I need to interject it here because I'm afraid I'm going to forget it when we do our review. Um, this was perhaps the most realistic and graphic depiction of someone getting shot. Yeah. Believe it or not, this movie is an anti-violence film, even though there's violence in it. <laughs> Um, the director <clears throat> would shoot guns into a garbage can to make the sounds of the gunshots be more shocking and louder in the audience. And they actually rigged up a wire to yank him backwards so that when he gets shot, he gets pushed back right. and into the ground. There's also no music in this sequence at all. So when, when Tori gets shot, he gets flung back into the into the mud, and it's ugly, and it's gross, and holy shit, is it a good scene. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And <laughs> just to put it through, Sam Peckinpah pointed to this scene specifically. Sam Peckinpah, the guy who loved I don't know if he loved violence, but boy, did he use it a lot. He put a lot in his movies. Uh-huh. And he said, when Jack Palance shoots Elijah Cook in Jr. in Shane, things started to change. And if you know any history about movies, yeah, boy, did it. Yeah. Things in Westerns started to change. And I don't think it's just the depiction of violence in this, but also the themes that are in this Western that had not been present in Westerns up until this point. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> well, and the, also, I mean, it's it's a flat-out... I mean, yeah, uh, Tory does have his gun out, but as you were saying, like, he wasn't directly threatening Wilson when Wilson shot, so it's a flat-out murder. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He was having he was having a moment where he was like, oh, no, I, I better not draw my weapon with this guy. Yeah. 
And so uh, then all the fucking Rikers are like, you saw it? Yeah, he was trying to kill him. He attacked him. And Swede's got the job of carting the body back. Yeah. Bringing it to his family. His family's upset. Everybody's upset. Crying. We have a funeral. Looks like the dog's going to jump in on the coffin after. (laughs) The dog is going to fling himself in like Laura Palmer's father at Laura Palmer's funeral. (laughs) (laughs) And then, while everyone's enjoying a nice funeral, the Rikers set fire to the Lewis place. Oh, those Rikers. And the Lewises are like, okay, now we're definitely leaving, though. Like, they burned our house down. Yeah, that's it. We're done. But Joe convinces him to stay even after that. He's like, look, we'll build your house back for you. And everyone else says, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll help you. He's like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Just leave, you dipshits. What? (laughs) (laughs) So we go back to the house. And um, Joe is going to go to town to kill Riker. Right, right. Well, because the uh, um, Riker's brother, I think, or one of the some of the two of the other Riker boys, like come to Joe's well, house yeah. and they're like, "Hey, Riker!" Because wants Riker's to see like, you. "We got to kill him. We got to kill. We got to kill him." Yeah. I don't. He even says this. I like him, but he's got to die. Right, right. And they're like, "We'll we'll we'll trap him. We'll we'll lure him in here to be re- to talk to me reasonably, and then we'll kill him." And they're like, "Right, boss." And so, yeah. good plan. <laughs> Riker's men show up, and they invite Joe to be murdered. I mean, talk. <laughs> nice, reasonable conversation. That's right. We just want a nice, reasonable murder. Talking. We're getting, we want to talk? Is that okay? You said murder Forget like what twice. I said about murder. Okay, okay. No, 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 no. I got um, uh, what uh, a disease that no one's made yet where you substitute words for other uh-huh. words that you mean to say, and every time I mean talk reasonably, I say murder. I, so, okay. So, yeah. So, we just want you to come to the bar. Where, um, you know, my brother will shoot you. What? what? And then you... someone else will probably shoot you from the balcony. You... And then the, the gun fighter that we hired will shoot you twice in the back. And then we'll just make up a story that says he came to attack us you... or something. You... That's not... I mean talk. It's a lot of detail there. <laughs> oh, well, I also have... Uh... <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe says, I think I'm going to go to town. <laughs> it's a trap. He knows it's a trap. Yeah. His wife is like, it's a fucking trap. Let's leave. And he's like, you love it here. Not this much, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. Shut up. I don't. And, uh, well, um, Joe's out in the barn, and someone comes up on him. Who comes up on him, Steve? Oh, you mean Shane's out in the barn. Shane's yeah. out in the barn. Who did I say? Oh, uh, you said Joe. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Shane's out in the barn. Someone walks up to him. Who is it? It's Chris. Chris Calloway, the guy he was fighting with earlier. Oh, was he one? He says, uh, hey, Shane, I've had a little bit of a change of heart. What with Jack Wilson murdering a guy and such. And I'm, I think I'm going to leave Riker. I'm not going to work for him anymore. And I just wanted to give you a heads up that Joe's walking into an ambush. Yeah. And Shane's like, yeah. okay, thanks. Thanks. And he's like, no problem. And he leaves, and Shane's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we know how this is going to go. Time to put on the Batman outfit. <laughs> I mean, gunfighter outfit. <laughs> the Bat Masterson outfit. Ah, <laughs> see? I get it. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> Shane shows up in the house. He's got a gunfighter outfit on. He's got his gun. Yeah. And uh, Joe's like, I'm going. And he's like, you ain't. <laughs> and he's like, I am. And he's like, nah. <laughs> It's like, I'll fight you. And he's like, okay. And then they fight. And they fight. And they fight. And, and they fight. <laughs> and then uh, Shane takes out his gun. And you're like, oh shit, this is escalating. <laughs> wow. But then he hits Joe in the head. Yeah. Knocks him knocks out. Knocks him out. And Joey goes, you hit my paw in the head with your gun. I hate you. You cheater. <laughs> There's one thing I can't abide, and that's cheating. Mm-hmm. But then Shane gets on his horse, and he's riding into town. 
And, you know, his mom's like, you know, you don't hate Shane, really. And he's like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And he calls after him and says, I'm sorry, Shane. And she's like, he didn't hear you. And he goes running after him. And she's like, okay, well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful, I guess. I don't know. This little kid and his dog chase him in all the way into town. They run all the way to town, which seems like a pretty good ride. I mean, it's a really long since ride. Everybody takes their horses to go. Nobody ever walks he to t- town. He took the scenic route because they go through the cemetery yeah. and past every landmark that's in that in that valley. Yeah. And then Shane shows up at the bar. And he walks willingly into the kill box. I mean, salute. <laughs> Further reasonable discussion. <laughs> uh-huh. He's wearing his buckskins. He's got his six-shooter on. And uh, he's like, here, I'm here to talk. And Riker's like, uh, no, nah, not with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to talk to you. I wanted to talk to the guy who's easy to kill, not you. <laughs> and he's like, tough shit. Yeah. This, is, this is what you bought, okay? <laughs> Wilson's like, (laughs) finally. (laughs) And uh, Shane turns to Wilson. Wilson's got two guns. Yeah. He's put his black gloves on, which means he's about to to pull his weapons. His killing gloves. (laughs) His killing gloves. And then Shane. And, oh, yeah, we have to wait for the kid to show up to witness all of this. That's right. Joey gets there, and he's, like, sort of hiding, looking, peeking through a door. With his dog. Yeah, with the dog. Um, he's actually peeking under the saloon door, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Okay. And uh, what he gets to watch <laughs> is Shane pulls his gun, blows Wilson away, blows Wilson backwards into barrels. <laughs> yeah. Kills the hell out of him. Uh, turns out that Riker's got a hidden gun, shoots at him, misses, he flips around, shoots him back into a wall. <laughs> And he's like, okay, we're done. He's starting to leave, but there's a guy on the balcony stand. Yeah, with a raffle. And he aims it, and then the Joey sees, and he's like, Shane! <laughs> Watch out! Shane spins around, he gets shot, he shoots the guy up in the balcony, he falls down through, like, the thing and a beam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and lands on the ground, Shane's been shot. And but I mean he won right he yeah. won he won right? yeah he's good that's right he's good walks out to the horse gets on the horse and he's like well um fuck this noise <laughs> bye <laughs> I wanted to be somebody different but I'm not <laughs> you can't leave live with a killing you're not even listening to me are you <laughs> no Shane <laughs> look kid this is really important the whole movie's been building to this just <laughs> I want a murder <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Are there any other children around here I could impart this lesson to? I will impart the lesson of the gun. Oh, God. That's the opposite of the lesson. Oh. And he's like, look, don't be me, basically. Yeah. Don't Watch kill folks. I'm, don't kill folks. Because you can't take that back and you got to live with it. And uh, bye. Kid knows that he's shot, too. Because he's like, yeah. blood, blood, Shane, blood, look, blood. He's like, I, yeah. I can feel the bullet in me right now. Yeah, it really hurts. <laughs> Shane rides off. Joey runs after him. He's like, I knew you were, what did he say? You knew you were faster? You still got him or something like that? Yeah, he's talking, yeah, he's talking him up. Like, I knew you were faster than him. And then he's trying to get and him Shane's to come like, back. this is not the lesson you're supposed to take away from this. Yeah. <laughs> you're awesome, Shane. <laughs> I'm going to be just like you. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's still calling after him, and Shane rides off. And whether or not you're a cynic, (laughs) 
You can either decide that Shane is dead on that horse or not. <laughs> but he does ride through the cemetery. He does ride through the cemetery, but I would also like to say it's impossible for him to stay on a horse if he's dead. Yeah. So, there's that. <laughs> it depends on how you... Or you could say, well, he's not, maybe he's not dead, dead, but he's going to be dead real soon. He's dying. Because his arm is hanging limp at his side, and he don't look too—he he don't look too super healthy when he's riding in that last shot. Well, maybe he gets picked up by a medicine man. That's right. Maybe. <laughs> the end, Steve. The end. Shane does not come back. No, there is no return of Shane. Shane's back, and he's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. How do you feel about this classic Western? This this change in the way we perceive Westerns, arguably. The classic Shane. You know, I hate these revisionist Westerns. <laughs> uh, that's like, that's what people... <laughs> that's what people said in the 80s and 90s when you know Dances with Wolves came out and then Unforgiven yeah. they're like ah goddamn revisionist westerns well Shane's from 1953 and it does most of the things that those other movies do and it's a it weird first. hybrid isn't it it is it, I mean I, I, long story short I think it's great I loved yeah. it it's I, of, I, I was surprised at how much I loved this movie oh and and it sneaks up on you my, oh yeah it um, does <laughs> My my wife and I both had the exact same reaction to because I hadn't I don't think I had ever watched it all the way through. It was one of those movies that I had seen like on TV and stuff, but I never sat down and watched it from beginning to end. And and she had never seen it at all. Mm-hmm. And it, we both had the same reaction when it was over. That you know it, it because it it builds so slowly and deliberately. There's not a lot of violence in it. Nope. Um, and when the viol- especially the the gun violence, when that actually happens, it has a, a such an impact because it's been it's you know the the film has saved that it's not just people mm-hmm. shooting at each other and no. and and when it does happen um it has it's treated very soberly and very seriously it's not just oh you know jack pallant shot a guy wasn't that awesome it's a very sobering scene where it's like oh they have shit, to deal that... with the after aftermath of that too. yeah i mean the the scene at the the scene after the scene tory where tory is killed is of a Swede carrying Tori's horse with Tori's body draped over its back, mm-hmm. just hanging there dead. To his past, wife and children. To his, to his wife and children, and then to Joe's house to tell him about it, too. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have this this dead person on a horse mm-hmm. uh, being paraded through. So you, it's not just it's not like the old, uh, a more sort of standard Western where a guy gets shot and he falls down and there's no blood and he's dead. And then it's like next scene and it's like it never yeah. even happened. Yeah. Um, in Shane, the violence has consequences. And even if it's justified, it's still treated as a very serious thing. Well, Mentable um, thing. Yeah, you could that, and because you could certainly make an argument that uh, that when Shane kills Wilson and kills Riker at the end, that he is acting for the greater good, and that what mm-hmm. he does is in that situation the right thing. But he doesn't see it that way. But he doesn't see it that way. And even if you look at it, it's still undeniably a very serious thing. It's not something to take lightly and it's not something to be proud of or or to celebrate. It's, you know, this sucks. Um, and yeah, and it's something as, as you alluded to at the beginning, um, it's, it, it was not, 
typical for Westerns of this period to look at violence with such a sophisticated lens and to view it as anything other than just part of an adventure. Yeah. You know, though the good guys kill the bad guys and the good guys win and that's mm-hmm. good, you know, and in this movie, yeah, the good guy kills the bad guys, but it's not that simple. Shane is, when we first meet him in the film, he is haunted by things that he did before the movie even begins that we never even really know about. Yeah, you just you get the impression that well he's killed some people. He was a gunslinger, you know. He mm-hmm. pe- you, people don't wear that kind of gun unless they're a gunslinger. People say to him in the movie, yep. um, and um, so he's haunted from the moment we meet him, and then at the end, you know, we see why. Um, yeah. And another interesting thing about the way the movie perceives violence is the other characters are not impressed by the gunfighters at all. The other no. characters bo- on, on, on all sides, Riker's people and Joe and the other homesteaders, they mm-hmm. do not like gunslingers. They do not like people who just ride around with pistols on their hips. They view them as disruptive and as dangerous, and they just don't want them around. Riker and- even says to Wilson, we've tried, we've done our best to not use guns to get rid of these people. Yeah, yeah. And so that that attitude toward violence, and particularly gun violence, uh, is is something that was very unique for a Western at the time. And even today, even though this was a a monumentally influential film, uh, there, there are still not that many Westerns that take the 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 attitude toward gun violence that Shane takes to to that level where it's it's really the main theme of the film mm-hmm. you know that that violence is bad and that gun violence in particular is is particularly bad and something that should not be glamorized um it's something that uh, Clint Eastwood picks up in a few of his movies particularly Unforgiven which is a very very close following of this movie yeah. you know William Money in Unforgiven and Shane have a lot in common and the climax for both characters is basically the same where they feels the same doesn't it yeah they find themselves walking into a a bar where they're outnumbered they're not happy about having to kill all these people but they're really good at killing people i would say that unforgiven perfected it yeah because well one of these days we'll review unforgiven oh yeah unforgiven is a great film in its own right but there's a weird mix in there the last final scene would change steps into the bar where you want him to kill everybody? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, but that's not what the that's not what the the movie doesn't want you to feel that way, right? But you can't help it. <laughs> yeah, because be, because because Shane is the good guy. Mm-hmm. He's 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 haunted and he's compromised and he's conflicted. But Shane is the good guy, and that's what happens in westerns. The good guy kills the bad guy, and that's how the movie ends. And yeah, that's how this movie ends. But yeah, but that's yeah, you're 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 made to feel kind of conflicted about it because you got the outcome you wanted, but it's it sure doesn't make Shane happy. You know, mm-hmm. it, it causes Shane to have to walk away from this new life that he was hoping to have. He realizes he says in the movie he he thought he could be a certain kind of person. Yeah, and he can't. Yeah, that's tragic. Yeah, he's a he is he's a tragic character, and and he he best case scenario he rides off and is never able to have the kind of life he wants worst case scenario he dies you know like within a few minutes of the climax (laughs) of the movie and he's just dead and that's his that's the end of his story either way yeah he doesn't you know he's made to pay for whatever crimes he has committed in the past Mm -hmm. um even if those are the exact sorts of exploits that that western films have been glamorizing and making into heroic acts all along so it's you know that alone i think makes it a great film but there's also 
there's there's the fact that it is just it's so gorgeous it's so beautifully shot oh god um it's so well written the the character even the villains aren't one dimensional with the possible exception of Wilson who is just sort of malevolent he's just sort of like you know some satanic figure who just comes in literally only to kill people and <laughs> and is so chilling and so well acted by Jack Palance um but mm-hmm. right Riker is given a little bit of shades of 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 gray he's not he's, he's not cer- a he's a he's a person yeah he's he's, he's not yeah, you never right. you never sympathize with him exactly or root for him, but you you're you're given a reason as to why he wants the things he wants that isn't a completely unreasonable just you know justification. And uh, Joe is is uh, depicted as being a good man and uh, someone who genuinely seems to want the best for his family and for his fellow mm-hmm. homesteaders. He has a sense of of community responsibility. He and loves th- his wife. He loves, he loves his, his kid. yeah, and th- th- it's just a very rich, very well-realized film, and uh, it's one of those movies, and, and there aren't very many of these. There are a lot of movies no. that, that we have, many of which we've talked about on this show, that are you know held up as one of the greatest films ever. Shane is one of those movies, and it's one of the few that uh, actually lives up to that standard, that it, it, it deserves to be as influential and quoted and imitated as it has been, because it is truly a really a, a remarkable and uh, a, 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 a significant film. So, yeah, yeah I, I, what I'm saying is I liked it. Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> I like to love this movie. Yeah. And uh, I was surprised. I was expecting it to be, you know, a popular but pretty much by the numbers Western. Yeah, right. and um, so what surprised me? Number one, filmed on location. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, boy, is Wyoming pretty! Holy shit, <laughs> that valley is so beautiful. I barely, I, I, I know it existed for real, and it probably still exists. It's the Tetons, I think. That yes. Yeah. And um, you know, actual sets, their their little farmhouse, all the. Um, the town that they built for that that place feels like a town. In fact, we've seen it in other other uh, movies now. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of other westerns. It reminds me of the towns that we see in the spaghetti westerns. You know, kind of run down and not. There's okay. So let's let's put a couple of things out there. Yeah, westerns are pretty clean. You know me. I've said it before. I hate the sanitized west. Uh, yeah. And what I mean is by this being a weird hybrid is this is far dirtier than Westerns had been up to that point, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you have a Western and the person lives in town for some reason. It's always in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> um, this one's up in the mountains, which makes it different and, and feel much different, actually, than a lot of other Westerns. Because they would just go to Arizona to film right. a lot of these Westerns. And you're like, what are, the, what are these people fucking living on? How are they... <laughs> There are no farm. The other say, "I'm on my farm," and it's like you're in the desert. What are you growing? <laughs> what are you farming? <laughs> but you know, everyone has perfectly clean clothes, and everyone's perfectly scrubbed, and all the women have makeup. In this one, a lot of the women didn't have makeup. Um, a lot of them were appropriate to the period. There was no dance hall floozies or anything like that. It yeah. was families with kids working dirty jobs with muddy streets. You know, and 
I, there's a, the little tiny touches like when when Joe and the rest of the group go into the store and Joe's flipping through the Sears catalog and it's like a little reminder because what he's flipping past are men's gentlemen's hats and mm-hmm. women's women's fine dresses and stuff like that and you're like oh fuck yeah because on the east coast it's like Victorian society at this point it's like you couldn't get much different and it's a weird kind of like these homesteaders came from the east coast to, to homestead in Wyoming to start a life for themselves yep um, but they don't say it outright. It's not. It's just kind of in there, right? Um, so this is a little dirty. The cowboys aren't wearing cowboy hats. In fact, I don't think there's a cowboy hat in this anywhere. Is there? I don't think there is, because even Shane's hat isn't like a classic cowboy no, hat. And, it's and he not. spends most of the movie without a hat on at all. In fact, the weird part is, is the person that gets closest to looking like what we would think of as a traditional cowboy is Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is a weird hybrid. It's not as gritty as Westerns become, but it's not as clean as Westerns have been up to this point. It's kind of like in a weird period of transition, and someone bothered to sit down and go, hey, you know what? Let's make a movie about how violence is wrong and how guns kill people <laughs> and have those deaths have impact. Let's not have uh, you know chase scenes with people on horses shooting back and forth at each other, and then we trip a horse and the guy falls down dead and stuff like that. Let's not have it a single Indian, please. Yeah. Can we have not one? <laughs> Is that okay? Can we just restrict the violence between white people? That would be interesting. <laughs> here's here's something neat. Let's have the main protagonists or the main uh, antagonists be kind of understandable. <laughs> <laughs> We're still saying they're wrong, but they're not like monster people. <laughs> right. Let's kind of make the point that when they decide to go to violence, the, what they reap is all of them being dead. How about that? <laughs> Weird. Now, the only character that's really not developed all that much is Alan Ladd's character of Shane. Yeah. You're right. He just kind of shows up, and you kind of get hints that he used to be a gunfighter, and he he's paranoid. Mm-hmm. He still reacts like a gunfighter. Whenever he hears loud noises or whatever else, he's always reaching for a gun, even when he's not wearing one. Yeah. Um, you know, but he's obviously a guy who's trying to make a change. He doesn't want to do that anymore. He's obviously gravitating towards the, you know, the the family because that's what he wants. He wants a fam- he wants a family. Th- some of the some of the Riker gang intimate that he's going after Joe's wife. That that's the reason he's doing it. Yeah. Joe's wife even kind of casually, you're not doing this because of me, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm doing it for you and Joe and little Joe. Yeah. Because I want this. And it's heartbreaking when you think about the character. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> when he finds out that Joe is going to Joe's gonna get killed when he shows up at that bar, he goes, no, nope, Joe's staying here even if I have to beat him down to keep him from going. And then I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what am I saying? It's a fucking good movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of those movies where you can just sit there and enjoy it as a thing. Oh, it's an interesting thing. That's great. But it also gives you stuff to think about when it's over. There's stuff there. Yeah. It has something to say. It's not necessarily telling you outright, although Shane gets really close at the end. (laughs) He explains it in a way that makes sense for the character. And he's explaining it to a child. When he says killing someone brands you yeah. he literally means that's something that he, you have to live with for the rest of your life and <clears throat> the idea that he thinks that he cannot have a normal life now that he's always that he is this gunslinger and that's what he's going to be forever maybe he sh- maybe it's a good ending that he, he's dead on that horse at the end yeah. because what is he writing to at that point a, a life that he doesn't want as a gunslinger to just continue to slap iron until someone kills him or you know <laughs> or is it better for him <laughs> to have died on the horse having done something good yeah or at least you know something 
something beneficial to the family and the and the community that he loves. Right. One of the, one of the, one of the things he says to the kid, he says, "Tell your mom there's no guns. There's no guns in in the county anymore." Yeah. And that's kind of like oof. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I like the movie. <laughs> so, Steve, classic or not classic? Oh, classic. Yeah, classic with a capital C. Yeah. Thankfully, this is not one of those movies where I was walking into it going, oh, I was really I was really prepared to like be, eh, yeah. not. I love it when a movie surprises me. Yeah. And this movie surprised me. And um, I was expect. I kept watching the movie, expecting me, expecting it to disappoint me, to fall into, you know, tropes yeah and it never did it it never it never did it um they bothered to have characters sit down and talk out what the what's going on between the two of them you know yeah like between joe and his wife and then uh between uh his wife <laughs> what's it, is her name Miriam? marion yeah yeah marion and and oh, shane oh. yeah and thanks for giving lines and dialogue to a female character <laughs> <laughs> and giving her a point of view and treating her with respect <laughs> in the story yeah. yeah, as something other than just like something for one of the men to to gain at the end. Yeah, yeah it's not a prize. She's not a prize for shame, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, classic. So, Steve, mm-hmm. what are you going to not recommend oh. people for people to see? I am now going... that we're done. We're going to not recommend some movies for you guys to go see. Yeah. So here's a movie that that you don't have to watch. Cause, okay. Because Shane is a real I good. I won't. <laughs> don't. May, some of you may have seen it already, like oh, myself. Oh no! And, and that would be that. That would be unfortunate because you will have you will have wasted. Uh, what's the running time? You will have wasted 116 minutes of your life. Um, mm. The movie I am not recommending is another western. That stars Jack Palance. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not from the 50s, though. It's from the 90s. Oh, no. And it's not a an original, groundbreaking, cinematic tour de force of a film like Shane. It's a, it's a sequel to a movie mm-hmm. that actually I never really thought was all that great in the first place, but it made a lot of money, so they made uh-huh. a sequel to it. And the movie I am not recommending is... City Slickers 2, <laughs> The Legend of Curly's Gold. Um, Where they said, hey, let's make a sequel with the character that died in the first yeah. one. So here's what happened, right? They made the movie City Slickers, <laughs> which, which, as I said, is not it's not like an awful movie, but I've never been super impressed with it. I, I, but it was like a, it was a big hit. It was a surprise hit. And yeah. that's the reason that they let Billy Crystal make so many goddamn movies in the 90s, because yeah. City Slickers made a lot of money and everybody and he loved made it. a couple of good ones. He made a couple of good ones. Um, and and Jack Palance won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for City Slickers. Right. The problem is Jack Palance's character dies at the end of City Slickers. So, Poetically. Yeah. So it's like an epic death. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing that they can just undo because it, yeah, <laughs> it's oh, he's still alive. <laughs> it you know? turns out we buried him on the trail for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of you know, it's kind of definitive. You buried um, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they, but of course, you know, Jack Palance was uh, a, a, a very popular, very important part of the movie. So when they make yeah. the sequel, what do they do? They say, "Well, bring Jack Palance back, and he'll play his old character's twin brother," because it's a soap opera, and he's the he's the identical twin brother of Curly. And the plot involves looking for uh, a stash of gold that Duke and Curly had always dreamed of finding. Um, it's uh, a terrible movie. 
It's not that funny. Uh, nope. It it was actually nominated for the Razzie Award for worst remake or sequel that year. It, <laughs> it, 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 it has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, uh, Razzies are just as corrupt as the Academy that's, Awards. Yeah, that's, it's all just a show. It's yeah. all just a corporate show. But um, Jack, <laughs> Jack Palance did not win an Oscar for this one. Um, and it did not make nearly as much money as the first one. And it's just a very, very poor film. So if you watch Shane and you think, boy, Jack Palance, he's great. Uh, and you want to watch another Western with Jack Palance in it. That's I would highly recommend that you do that. But don't watch City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Goal, because it's bad. It's just bad. It is. Yeah. Okay, my turn. Do it. I'm going to not recommend two movies from the same year that Shane came out, 1953. Oh there were about, I don't know, 500 westerns that came out in 1953. <laughs> it was it was a popular genre at the time. <laughs> a number of them were in 3D. Oh, boy. <laughs> Including Hondo. That's right, yeah. Hondo was in 3D and Technicolor, so if you wanted to see John Wayne punching people in 3D, you could watch that. <laughs> That's not going to be my not recommendation, but uh, there are a couple of movies that I've seen that... All right, the first one is called Fort Tie, directed by William Castle. Hmm. Now, <laughs> Steve recognizes that name. <laughs> <laughs> you should, too, because he was the king of gimmick theater, or gimmick movies, yeah. in the 1950s. He was, like, behind the tingler, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He would put shit in the, like, put these buzzing things in people's seats, and then all of a sudden the movie would seem to stop, and and, and Vincent Price would say, the tingler is loose, and the, the, the seats would start to buzz, and people would scream, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> he just forgot to make good movies to go along with it. <laughs> well, he made this movie called Fort Ty. It's about Fort Ticonderoga. It's... Okay, guys, you can be the first in a number of things. It doesn't necessarily mean the movie is going to be great, nor is it going to be remembered. This was the first 3D and Technicolor Western. No one's heard of it, because it's garbage. It's a garbage movie, and I hate it. But it's tied for another Western that came out that year, one that's a little bit more well-known, that stars Bill Holden, Eleanor Parker, and John Forsythe. But I hate this movie for its theming, and for its overall um, plot, and that's a movie called Escape from Fort Bravo. Oh, I've heard of that was, one. Which was directed by John Sturgis. Hey, you want to know what the movie's about, Steve? What's the movie about? Well, basically, there's this really awful prison camp. A union prison camp. Oh, no. keep on a bunch of Confederate soldiers. And they make the Confederate soldiers escape because they're being treated by the North like happened in the Civil War, right, Steve? Totally. That's exactly how it was. But, uh-oh, while the escape's happening, they get attacked by a bunch of dirty Indians, and we all learn the valuable lesson that North and South, we combine together to kill the real enemy, filthy Native Americans. <laughs> At least those northerners are white, you know what I'm saying? And sure, there might be a couple of okay performances, and sure, it could be blah, 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 blah. It's, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I mean, the 1950s weren't great for Native Americans in westerns, really, no. at all, in any way, shape, or form. No. That would come later in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> 
And even then, it would be a little patronizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how are we going to understand the Native American peoples unless a white guy becomes one of them? What? <laughs> sounds good to me. All the other white people are like, yeah, sounds great. And like the Native Who's American Who's the whitest people person like, we know? Well, after Dustin Hoffman, maybe Richard Harris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. They could become Native Americans, right? Okay. If you, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> are you saying he's not a good enough actor? We'll look up the movies Little Big Man and A Man Called Horse. Yeah. And the sequel, Another Man Called Horse, I think. I don't know what it's... I don't know what the sequel was called. <laughs> I hope uh, it's called both, Another Man Called Horse. <laughs> both about white dudes who go native. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this movie is exactly that. It's about, hey, we gotta bind together to fight off these savages. The end. Don't see it. <laughs> Just don't. All right, well, we're all done, Steve. Hey, how about that? Yeah, we could dust off this trail dust. Mm-mm-mm. Or or Wyoming mud. Hang up our six-shooters. That's me and you go out and contend with that stump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll get all nice and shirtless and sweaty and push into the stump as hard as we can. That's right. And, oh, yeah, guys, um, so you're probably wondering what our next review is going to be on, right, Steve? Yeah, we got to do this again, yeah. Yeah, we got to do it again, and, um, you know, completely unrelated to a movie that's going to be released on April 27th. <laughs> Perish the thought. A little movie called Avengers, The Infinity War, mm-hmm. Part 1. <laughs> We're just coincidentally going to review the very first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, right, Steve? That's right. Can you believe it's been ten years? It's since been ten years since the release of Iron Man. That's right, the movie Iron that Man. started it all. Yeah. Don't you feel old now, everybody? <laughs> Can you feel death's icy fingers closing around your throat? Can you feel time slipping out of your fingers like so much sand? Uh. And just think, in that brief 10-year period, Marvel Studios has made 30,000 films. (laughs) (laughs) And all of those characters will be in Infinity War. Not including the TV shows and Netflix series. Yeah, except for except for this creatively rich and enjoyable corner of it over here. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Colson, you're TV now. So for once, we're kind of probably telling you to go watch a movie that you hopefully have already seen. Unlike the old shit that we're always telling you to go watch. Yeah, go to your Blu-ray or DVD shelf. Get the copy of Iron Man that I know you have. Go into your Amazon videos that you have it in. Yeah. DVDs. Who watches that anymore? That's you know. Uh, that's true. I, I actually I haven't bought a DVD for like three years. Like <laughs> that's right, Grandpa. <laughs> in my day, you had a movie you could hold in your hand. That's right. It was called a laser disc. The government can't take it away from you. <laughs> they can just stop repairing the thing you're playing on. <laughs> They're trying to force me to upgrade to one of them VHS decks. <laughs> but I ain't going to do it. <coughs> oh, the amount of money I wasted on VHS. Oh, and then you had to buy them all over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, streaming. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Our old man complaints about the formatting of of movies yeah. for home use 
That's right. It's a Cracker Jack podcast. <laughs> We're asking you to go out and watch Iron Man if you haven't done so. Mm-hmm. So that way you'll get all the jokes. Yeah. And that's it. Well done. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. I'm saying that Stonewall Jackson was trash himself. Him and Lee and all the rest of them Rebs. You too. You know, we all know how you feel about Johnny Reb, Steve. (laughs) 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 And now I have to... You don't need to repeat yourself over and over again. We get it. You hate Reb. You hate Johnny Reb. Anything with Johnny Reb in it you want to destroy, we got it. I know, but now I have to quote the evil northern colonel from Glory when he said, you know, secesh is like a plague that needs to be burned away. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta ask you a question. Do you kind of hate yourself for liking those quotes? (laughs) Did you have to stop, you know, clapping your wee little hands together when he stood up and said, I mean, Stonewall Jackson was an idiot just like (laughs) Yeah, I was like, Yes! I, I I took my shirt off and ran around my block like my the, my team had just won the World Cup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. You need to see somebody. You know the Civil War has been over for like 150 years, and you're white. I don't really see. <laughs> and you weren't even involved. And your side you won. Even there. <laughs> were your were your relatives even in the country yet? Actually, I have one of my great-grandfathers fought for the Union. Oh. Yeah. I have some interesting thing to tell you. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.